0: Writers, rockaway Writers Workshop
1: Hey, good morning um, We're excited about our guest You could hear us chatting in the background When Vijay was starting the show But Vijay, tell us a little bit about our guest
0: So Rochelle Fox is a New York C- City Based artist Love all things nature um, Color and creativity Her mission <coughs> is to create uplifting Meditative art with the intention of adding Some beauty to the world uh, She loves traveling to new places Finding inspiration and meeting incredible souls Along the way all she needs is a good cup of tea, her sketchbook, and some sunshine. Welcome, Rochelle.
1: Welcome. And I, I'm going to start us off with a random question. Okay. Just to, a question you might not expect. What's your favorite animal and why?
2: Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I would have to say that my favorite animal, um, I've been really drawn to the lion. Recently. Okay. Yeah. What about the lion? And, and do we have the uh, male or female lion or both? I would say more of the female lion. Okay. Um, yeah, I just think that um, their energy and their strength and the way that they move with purpose and there's mm-hmm. like a very graceful elegance to it. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I do think, I love uh, lionesses. I think they do a little too much work for their husbands, though. <laughs> yeah, I can <could laughs> agree with that. <laughs> they, yeah. need, they need a movement. <laughs> yeah. And and speaking of that, I know you talk a lot about feminine energy. Mm-hmm. Um and nature, so it's very appropriate. Uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your main um, interests in terms of this energy and <clears throat> your philosophies and things like that, because I know they inspire you a lot.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's really true. So I think for me, um, over the last couple of years, especially, um, I have really <coughs> explored several um, different types of spirituality and energies. And I've really gotten to a lot of goddess work and rediscovering those stories and how influential they are as a sort of mythology. You know, I think that growing up, there was a lot of like the hero stories and and the men and, and the superheroes. And now even more, you'll see like Superwoman or Wonder Woman rather mm-hmm. and and things like that. And I, for me, it's been very inspiring to reconnect with that like strength. Mm-hmm. As a woman and not just like, oh, I'm the the sidekick to the male character. So is there a know? particular
0: um religious tradition that you're taking the god's traditions from or is it Hindu or is it uh what what is the what is the religion that you're mainly driving your um I would to? say
2: uh, cultures from all around the world and different uh-huh. backgrounds. I have some Egyptian goddesses that I'll I work it. with, Oh, which like ones? that. Which yeah. ones? Um, I'm really into Isis at the moment. Okay. It, yeah. uh, I think she's really amazing and powerful. Um, and actually, a lot of this work came out of a collaboration that I did last year with uh, my friend Tegan, who's an astrologer. And I did a monthly mm-hmm. illustration for her blog. And that's where I got really into each month I would draw a different goddess. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where I really started to explore the symbolism and the mythology behind each one, which was really fascinating. Uh, Just just for our listeners, so I, I studied ancient Egyptian history
1: and literature. Isis is a rare goddess because unlike other goddesses, she does encompass the sort of generative quality, but she's an actual magician. Rather mm. than a witch, or yeah. you know, so she is an actual powerful magician. She's the sister of Osiris, who's part of the death cycle. Um, she is also similar in some ways to Athena, yes. um, in terms of wisdom and power. She's badass, but and she's also um, an image that has probably one of one of the most, I guess popular like people know have heard isis before but you should read more about her because she's cool
2: yeah totally agree with everything you, you just said <laughs> yeah I'm so, a nerd. that's a great description <laughs> so thank you you're welcome good, I'm very good.
0: so about talking chat. about the the engine the kind of the mission or mission statement or the engine that drives your artistic practice and going back to kind of how you uh started with art and and your history with art if you talk a little bit about that and
2: sure yeah um, yeah. So I've been doing art since I can remember as a little child, Um. specifically with my grandmother on my father's side. She was very creative. And whenever she would come over, we would do a lot of art. And oftentimes it would be out of recycled materials. Mm. I mean, this was before it was a fad to be green and all of that. Um, she would bring over like egg cartons or jars or whatever she had laying around the house and we would make art of it. And the other piece of it that I remember is I would also go outside and explore by myself and you know, pick up rocks and things like that and incorporate that into my art as well. So I've been into nature and art and recycling and using, like, natural materials for a really long time, and um, I've explored several different mediums, but I think it always comes back to this idea of, like, color and texture and nature and using what's around you for inspiration. So Mm. that's been a big piece of my process. I can
1: totally see a memoir from you called My Green Grandmother.
0: (laughs) <laughs> i love it. That.
1: Yeah. that's good that's, that's beautiful good. yeah so then you can have it it's yours yeah
3: <laughs>
0: so you bring in the if you talk a little bit more about how you bring in the intuition and you bring in the uh feminine energy and how you define that a little bit more about that a little bit more about if you talk a little bit about like how how do you distinguish the feminine and the masculine and, and, mm. and how does where does that exist because you know I, we all know that you know many different people uh, have both those energies and how able to, yeah, everyone does, and right. uh, and how you are able to uh, talk about that or uh, actualize that or sure, yeah, even just, just um, um,
2: turn it over in your mind. Yeah,
0: how do you yeah. visualize it? Yeah.
2: I I think that's a great question. Um, I think for me, first of all, I think everyone, like you said, has a masculine and a feminine. It's based on like the yin yang. You know, we have that balance. Anima, animus. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But, I think, especially as being an artist in New York City, um as you know, the energy here is very masculine. Mm. You know, the way that the buildings look, the the structures, it's very hard hard edge straight lines. We don't have any of those diamond ceilings <laughs> yeah. uh, right. like in not have a lot yeah. of organic, organic sort of shapes. You yeah. know, I mean, we have Central Park, which really is like at the center of it all. And I think that is what helps us to balance things out, quite frankly, if we didn't have that, I'd be interested to see how the energy would feel around here. Cause I do feel like it sort of grounds us in some way. At least I've chosen to live near it for that reason. Well, literally grounds us. too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and with that said, I feel like the masculine energy is not about gender. Um, and it's more for me about the idea of action and moving forward and, you know, taking the ideas and putting them on paper. So it sounds or, like the magician in the tarot deck. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It's like making reality of something that's in your head and so a lot of times I think we have all these ideas and, and that could be the feminine side of things, which is like getting the intuition, getting the inspiration wherever, you know, that takes you. And then being able to take all of those beautiful feminine energy, you know, coming in intuition ideas and making them into something real and sharing them. But
1: I, yeah, you're right. totally right about the New York energy. I think part of the stress and strain of living here is there's a, among people interacting, it seems like there's a lot more manifestation. Here's what I did. Here's what I did. Then let's build something together or exploration or room for air. It's like everything is ready to be bought, ready to be traded, ready Mm -hmm. to see, ready to use, and then torn down. And then we look up, we wake up the next morning, there's something new in its place and this is finished and let's sell this. Instead of, I mean, instead of just seeing people coming together to create things. Yeah. There's a lot of that in the artistic community, but not everybody's in the artistic community community. So if you're going to work at your data entry job and you're just passing all of these hard finished things that you can use, but not engage with it could, I imagine that would be very depressing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of community and community building um, where do you, where do you get your visual art uh, inspiration from and what kinds of artists do you uh, look at towards to understand Better your visual, your visual art practice. Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: Um, so this answer may seem a bit obvious, but I've reconnected with certain artists that I've known my whole life in history mm-hmm. in a new way. And a lot of these shows that are coming out are retrospectives, which is so fantastic because you read this one little blurb in a book about you know someone like Georgia O'Keeffe years ago, and you're like, oh, that's the flower artist. But the Botanical Gardens had this fabulous show um, of all of her work that was inspired by a trip she took to Hawaii where the Dole Pineapple Company paid her to go there and paint the pineapples to bring back for their advertisement. And she ended up falling in love with the land so much that she stayed for about three months and did this series of paintings. And so they had an exhibition of all of her work. And I never really knew that side of her and seeing how influenced she was directly by the experience she had with the plants there. Um, and so I, I would say definitely Georgia O'Keeffe is a really big one for me. Um, and then the other one that maybe seem a bit obvious is Vincent Van Gogh, which if you haven't seen it yet, I highly suggest the latest movie that came out, um, "At Eternity's Gate," I believe it's called. Yeah. And um, it really comes down to once again his love of nature, and he wanted people to see nature through his eyes, and he said that God is nature and nature is beauty. Mm-hmm. And I really felt like he captured that in his work, and that concept of like how he took the time to really be in nature and then wanted other people to experience it through his eyes and see it that way. Mm. Um, and then yesterday, actually, I went to the Guggenheim and discovered a new artist I didn't know about, who's not so new as it turns out, um, Hilda Off-Glimt. And she was around, I believe, um, she died in 1944. So she was around in like the 20s or so in Sweden. And she did this amazing body of work that combined spirituality and art in a way that had never been seen before during that time and she created a collective of five other women and they would get together and connect with spirit and then channel these messages and find a way to paint them with symbols that they didn't even understand as they were painting and then she went on to do a whole series of these you know they're like 10 feet by 15 feet paintings And she put in her notebook not to show them in public for another 20 years because people wouldn't be ready to see them just yet. Can you Mm. tell us a little bit about what these
1: canvases look like? And, um, I mean, obviously you don't have to describe anyone in particular, but just some of the shapes and colors and how you think those things um, brought across her intent.
2: Yeah, so one of the very first... um, Groupings that you'll see when you walk in is there's like the first room on the right as you enter, and it's just like a series of about eight paintings that are about 10 by 20 feet, maybe. They're massive, they go all the way to the ceiling, and they have these organic shapes in these colors that you wouldn't necessarily put together like a lavender and a peachy orange color, and then this bright yellow and a vivid green, and then black outlines of these organic shapes that seem somehow familiar, but also you've never seen it before. And they're very um, organic and, you know, floral in nature and a lot of spirals. Mm. Um, and and she talks about the spiral as a symbol in particular that she was very drawn to because it has a regenerative um, growth, you know, like an infinity type of energy to it.
1: Well, and the yeah. Nautilus spiral um, and those things are just uh, all throughout nature. And it's like, As soon as you start looking for them, they redouble, like looking at a snail shell, looking at a nautilus, even spiral staircases, Mm -hmm. um, this sort of in and out and leading to, as you said, infinity. But it's something that I think, even though we've become so disconnected with nature, still resonates unconsciously subconsciously with a lot of people right and yeah. even the
2: guggenheim itself is a bit uh-huh. of a spiral walking yeah. up mm-hmm. so it, it really tied into the whole theme of the show really beautifully
0: i'm really interested yeah. in the idea of channeling and uh uh how uh using the spiritual world or using spirits specifically to kind of generate art or like uh, can you talk a little bit about kind of how you what your understanding of that is uh, that that terminology and and how that plays out in a as an artist, how that would play out in a, in a real world uh, sure. perspective. Yeah.
2: Um, so I've actually done a lot of research and reading on this subject, on the mm-hmm. idea of channeling. And I think for a lot of people that experience it, they they speak about this idea that they sort of get into a meditative state and they get out of the way so that they can receive messages from a being of some sort. Can can you just tell tell me what channeling is? Okay. (laughs) I don't know. I'll do my best to describe it. But the way that I've come to understand it is essentially that you are connecting with something like a higher being, right? Like a a spirit world, higher being something not in the physical realm that is giving you a message and information in some form.
3: Mm.
2: Right. So, Whether it's, you know, you can read, um, I'm trying to remember. Uh, Okay, so there's a really famous woman called Esther Hicks, and she channels a being called Abraham Hicks. It's like a world-renowned, you can YouTube it. And she sort of, she does these lectures where she gets on stage, and then she becomes Abraham Hicks so that he comes forward to answer questions for Mm -hmm. people. So she does a direct channel where she becomes him and he speaks through her so that's one version of it if that makes sense yeah it does
1: yeah okay so sorry if you keep going with answering vj's question about how this channeling comes through you and inspires your work
2: yeah so i would say my experience with it has been um i've actually used a lot of journaling um to get ideas down which is new for me because i'm such a visual person but oftentimes um, after I've had a dream um, or I'm journaling in the morning, just general thoughts, things will sort of come through that I'm not sure where that idea necessarily came from. And it it's become more and more elaborate and it, it feels more like a message that's coming through. I'm sure you can. Relate as a writer that oftentimes you'll have you know something come through that you're you're not even sure where it exactly came from. Yeah. Well, and also
1: though there's a much greater connection between um, writing and the visual than is necessarily um, obvious at first glance. When the some of the best poetry creates a concrete and often visual experience for the reader, something that plays on all of the senses, and then. When we um, engage with art, our first instinct is to talk about it and give the art our dialogue or narrative or memories or, or however, however it may come. Um, so in journaling, we struggle to create this experience that puts our thoughts into something we can see. And there's this sort of divine frustration of trying to articulate something in one medium so say you're trying to write something and then you run out of words and maybe you doodle a little bit and mm. then maybe you go back and even when we're doing anything I, I dance as well we're ha- we're having this sort of descriptive dialogue in our head as we create and it's I think it's really something that goes back and forth
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah so definitely using the journaling to um, kind of have an access point into the visual art definitely seems to me to be resonant You know, I can understand how using different mediums can help. And also, um, I would say that the the, uh, channeling also, in my perception, it kind of allows us to kind of be free of our identity constraints. You know, that we think that, oh, you know, um, I'm only capable of doing so much. Or uh, as an artist, you know, you say, oh, there's only so much that, you know, limiting. But rather, using the channeling allows us to liberate ourselves into different um, aesthetics and different opportunities be more powerful, gain that power. Would Mm -hmm. you say that that's kind of the key into it or how do you interpret that?
2: Yeah. I think that's a really good way to put it is that, you know, we are all connected on some level to something much bigger than ourselves. Mm. And that's just an entry point to that connection. You know, it's like Elizabeth Gilbert, um, who wrote eat, pray, love. um, She talks about this idea of big magic and she describes it as like ideas are all floating out in the ether, just waiting for the right person to take it home and nurture it and bring it out into the world. Mm. And that's her, you know, one of her versions of that idea is that you know there is this intangible thing that we can feel, mm-hmm. you know, in the way that like two people across the universe, across the globe, might think of the same idea at the same time because it's out there in the in the collective consciousness, if yeah. you will, you and, know. And as somebody, um,
1: as a very nerdy person with no real, uh, established, um, spiritual, I guess, draw drift. Um, if when, when we talk about these things, and I'm also a therapist, so let's, let's go with that. When we talk about these things and when people are skeptical about this energy bigger than our- ourselves, I kind of tell them, you don't have to know exactly what you believe in, but think about Stuff like seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. It is a phenomenon with everyone that when the weather changes, um, we are affected in different ways. Some people like winter. Some people don't. Now, I'm not talking about the temperature. I'm talking about the fact that our moods and change in some way. And our moods are linked to our personality and our interactions with other people. And this idea of drawing energy from what's around us, if you need to be scientific about it, in the summer that has to do with vitamin D. In the winter, it has to do also like with lack of vitamin D, but also with being less active because it's cold outside and things that are happening in our bodies. So we all experience this big energy, whether or not we choose to discuss it with ourselves in what we would consider a quote-unquote, I'm doing the air quotes, spiritual way.
0: Yeah. But definitely also I think the artistic practice and all these practices deal with healing, you know, mm-hmm. and I, kind of dovetailing what you're saying there, um, you know, about seasonal affective disorder and all this kind of thing, that these are all one way of understanding these emotional mm-hmm. and psychological landscapes. And that kind of healing is also a part of self-healing or self-care and is also a part of that process. And using art as a way to heal, not just, you know, our personal histories or personal uh traumas or dramas but rather the collectives so we're all kind of connected and understand connecting with the collectives uh histories and and traumas you know and, and being able to give a point of healing for that so if you're talking right. about kind of how healing plays into your practice and how um you bring that space yeah. in yeah
2: I think another good example that might help to illustrate what you're saying is that we do often think of ourselves as individual beings, right? Like this is me, my space, my identity, and you're over there with your space and your identity and everything that makes you, you. And so I think because we don't have that physical contact that we think we are so separate. And a good example of that is, you know, the way that trees, their roots are structured. They've done all these studies where they see that they connect underground through their roots and they communicate that way. So if there are trees over here that need some type of nutrient, they communicate to the trees over here that they need that nutrient and then they provide it for them. And they have this whole network underground that we can't see with our eyes, but it's all happening underneath. Mm.
1: So this is making me think of social media, which is a strange paradox. What do you think about that? I mean, we call it a web, right? Right. But just even that sudden interconnectedness, again, air quotes, um, do you feel like that is a possible way that we can develop a human root system or is that something that's stripping the nutrients from our emotional connections?
2: Well, I think that the connection has always been there. This is just another outlet for us to connect. So, you know, maybe in the past we weren't as easily able to access you know, talking to people across the world, but on an energetic level, I think we've always been just as connected as we are now. Mm. It's just that now we can see it more. And so it's like, oh, that's new. But I think it's been around forever since the beginning of humanity, you know?
1: Do you feel that social media, though, takes away from the, I guess, habit of interacting with people on a face-to-face or physical level or Um, no?
2: Well, you know, it's interesting because Previously, like the last couple of years, I would have told you like, oh, you know, social media does take away because I like being in nature around people and and having that, Mm. you know, experience. But what I can tell you is over the last couple of years, I have found such an amazing community of people as I've explored my spirituality and my artistic career and finding other artists across the country Mm -hmm. that are doing amazing work. You know, these women that have built careers and businesses doing their art and mentoring and teaching And they have become huge inspirations. I actually went on a retreat because I found somebody Mm. on the internet. You know, I ended up in Bali with this woman I had, you know, only met once before and those kind of things may not have been as easily accessible, you know, before. So I think it, it, there is a good and a bad, and I think it's like anything else. It's our relationship to it. And I actually went to um, a fabulous talk at um, Lincoln center over the weekend, John Kabat-Zinn, who's a famous uh, mindfulness teacher. And He talked about how it doesn't matter what you're doing, it's about being mindful about it. So whether it's doing art or eating or being with people, a lot of people are doing something and their mind is somewhere else. And so if you're using the internet as a way to sort of disconnect and numb yourself and not be a part of things, then yes, I do believe Mm -hmm. that there are people going that route with it. But there are other people that are very mindful and very present and using it as a means to connect with other like-minded people. Really? I,
1: I wanna just go back because I don't want to lose what Vijay asked about the the healing oh, yeah. uh, coming yeah. back to the art. And also, um, you mentioned Bali mm-hmm. in this little yeah. ta- tangent that mm-hmm. still related to uh so maybe um we were we were discussing Bali before the show. Maybe you could just try to sort of explore Vijay's um inquiry with talking about Bali a little bit, would, sure. that be, would that
2: work? Yes, that's actually a perfect segue. Um, I would say that it has been a part of my healing journey. So last year I went on a retreat in North Carolina um, with this artist, Alina Hennessy, and I really connected with her and her work. And she told me about a retreat she was hosting in Bali, which happened in May of this year. And within a week I signed up, I just, I had been really called to go to Bali and I wasn't sure exactly why, but you know, you just get that feeling sometimes that you're meant to go somewhere. Bucket list. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah if for nothing else, right? I right. Mean, who wouldn't want to go? Um, but either way, there have been certain places over the last couple of years that have spoken to me in that way. So, you know, for example, the last place was Barcelona and seeing the Sagrada Familia and all the colors and, and how Gaudi had this architecture that it, you know, it had a spiritual quality because it's a cathedral, but there, it was more of a spirituality because you're connecting with nature and everything in the building was, you know, inspired by something in nature. So with that said, you know, I went to Bali, not really knowing exactly why I was going, but just feeling like it was the right thing to do, which, you know, going back to the feminine energy, I think that's the shift a lot of people are making now is we've been so in our mind and figuring out what to do with your life and and having it all figured out with your mind. And I think a lot of people are dropping in and getting more into the practice of like listening, like, where does my heart want to go right now? It's not about what you should or shouldn't do. And I think living what, in New York, what mistake would be the best one to make next? Yeah, <laughs> yeah Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the energy we're on in New York is like, we don't often check in with that heart-centered, you know, take a step back. It's more of what what should I be doing next? Where do I go? Who do I need to talk to? And so getting to Bali, you know, it's like any tropical place you go to as a New Yorker, you it takes you a good four or five days to meet their pace, you know, because mm-hmm. you realize how quickly you've been moving and the way that you're talking to people and and especially if someone doesn't speak great English, you have to really slow down your words and and talk to them. And from the moment I got off the plane and I was greeted by the driver who took me to my hotel, there was this instant connection of I know where I am. And it felt like, you know, in a sense, I know it's cliche, but like a coming home on some level, like almost like I feel like I've been here before mm-hmm. in some sense. And it just feels right to be here. And um, and then, you know, I, I woke up the next day and I had the first day to spend on my own before my friend met me there. And I went out into the city to explore. What is the city like? I, I've been to Thailand several times, but mm-hmm. I've never been to
1: Bali. So what is it? What does it
2: look like? So I started out in Abood, which if you've seen Eat, Pray, Love, that's where she goes for the spiritual part of her trip. But basically, there's a downtown area that has um, all these little shops and there's outdoor markets filled with like really colorful. What
1: kind of colors?
2: Oh, every color in the rainbow. And, yeah. it, I'm telling you, it's just it. it's like if you turn the saturation all the way up oh, and, cool. you know, every color you can imagine there's textiles and you want to so, buy all of it. You so know. those pictures I see aren't touched up is what you're saying. No, uh, no. It's like yeah. hashtag no filter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and you just want to take pictures of everything. Um, and so either way, I was on my own and I didn't really know what my day was going to look like, but I just sort of wandered out and I ended up getting, um, you can get the most delicious juice you've ever had in your entire life. So every day you're there, you'll be drinking Favorite juice. Flavor? And, uh-huh. um, I would say the, um, the watermelon cucumber. Oh, wow. Just because yeah. it that was so hot. Great. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was very refreshing. Um, and so I, I went into this market and the first thing that caught my eye was this beautiful blue textile, like a, a scarf that you could wear. And I picked it up. And then this other woman next to me went to pick the same one up. And so we kind of laughed about, okay, you know, you take this one, I'll find another one. And we struck up conversation. And it turned out that it was her last day in Bali after a two week trip, she was from London. And I said, oh, you know, like, what have you been doing just to get the lay of the land I had never been before? So she invited me to spend the last day of her trip together so she could show me around and, you know, explain everything to me. And that's where I feel like, That idea of listening to your intuition, you know, it's not all prescribed and figured out and planned out. Like this is what you will do at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 10 a.m., but more of like going with what feels right and following that intuition and that impulse. And that whole day ended up being that way and all the things I had been seeing online and wanting to experience. So, for example, you know, we ended up uh, going on this fabulous nature walk that is like something out of the movies where it's just like lush greenery all around you. And she was leading me on all these amazing trails. And then at the end of the day, she said to me, you know, I'm planning to take a yoga class. Would you like to come along? And I said, yeah, you know, I'm I'm an avid yoga practitioner. I would love to join. And it turned out she was going to the yoga studio. I had been stalking on Instagram for the last two years (laughs) called Uh... Yoga Barn. And I couldn't believe that here I was in Bali taking this class, you know. Mm. And I mean, I've taken millions of yoga classes but there's nothing like being in bali with like the sounds of na- actual nature not just like a soundtrack of yeah. nature you know I found white noise. <laughs> exactly behind you and i just remember being in that moment of sitting in prayer at the end of the practice and feeling so humbled and grateful for that experience and i think that anytime we do something like that it is healing on some level so you know for people that may not be as spiritual per se um, you know, I think that when we do things like that for ourselves, it is a part of self-care and it is a part of taking care of that part of ourselves that is ready to be that, you know, in that moment. So yeah. kind of
1: focusing more on the process than on the result, which kind of goes back to what I was thinking about with with New York and the things that we see around us are so, and the way that we try to move our li- lives forward are so result-based mm-hmm. rather than exploration or open-endedness. But very important, who got the blue scarf? Uh-huh. i think
2: she let me have it and okay. then she chose another one yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: good good yeah, yeah. it kind of connects with kind of what I, my understanding of we think about the earth as being the mother earth and how she has such diverse children you know such a diverse places such diverse opportunities for us to experience nature experience the natural world and experience the the kind of the human experience um and you know kind of like tying together you know also let's get back to your actual practice and the the Art you produce? Why don't we take an example of one of your pieces and kind of look at, uh if you can narrate, um, kind of one specific piece, and then ha- talk to us a little bit about what its meaning is to you.
2: Sure. Yeah. Um. So the latest series that I'm working on is called Cosmic Wonder. Uh huh. And um, it it's sort of a culmination of a lot of different um techniques that I've studied, and after many years of doing painting and drawing and screen printing and that sort of thing, I came back to using collage within my work, um, which for me has been very much a process-oriented way of working in the sense that I'm not just looking at a blank canvas and then saying, this is what will be here and then going and doing it. I sort of allow it to come forward to me as I'm creating. What kind of media did you use for your collage? So I work mostly on wood because um, I love the flat surface as opposed to a canvas. And I'll pull different papers and sometimes even now textiles I'll add on there. I'm really into the texture of things. And what I'll do is I'll start with the very first layer of, of collage, you know, magazine pictures and, and, you know, different types of paper with prints on them and things like that. And then that becomes its own layer. And oftentimes I'll photograph that as it is mm. because it's not going to look anything like that in the end. Mm. And it's also been a really good exercise in non-attachment because oftentimes it'll look so beautiful that I want to leave it that way, but I continue to add then the next layer. And sometimes it'll end up being five layers later by the time the whole thing is finished. So for example, I have um, this piece here and this was an eight by eight mandala inspired image on wood. And what I did was um, it was actually a birthday gift for my friend. And it was the very first one in this series. And the idea was that I wanted to paint something that made that reminded me of her energy. And I didn't really do that consciously necessarily, but I wanted to explore in this new sense of I was always doing um, very uh, literal work before. So, you know, if I want to draw a flower, it looks like a flower. And I've gotten more and more abstract recently which has been extremely freeing for me because it doesn't prescribe as much of a meaning to it and doesn't have to look exactly so. And so, even as a process, giving over to this abstraction has been a loosening up, a freeing for me. Um, which was a big part of what came out of the Bali trip was this idea that I went in drawing so tight and perfect, and when I came out, I was, you know, blowing out the colors in all different directions and using different pieces of things and and pulling it together. So either way, with this particular piece, um, like I said, I was thinking of my friend as I was creating it and it gave me such joy to think of all the colors that reminded me of her and, you know, layering the different images. And with this particular series, I've been using the shape of the sphere a lot throughout the series. And, you know, the circle has a lot of symbolism to it. It's like, it never stops and and ends. It's the infinity. It's the cycle of life. It's the season. So there's a lot of meaning you can ascribe to it, um. And even uh, I just read this book called Joyful and she talks about the aesthetics of joy and the circle is the most joyful shape of them all. And oftentimes you'll see like children's toys with that shape and that sort of thing. So for me, this piece um, really embodied someone that when I thought about them, it gave me pure joy. And I realized that I wanted to create more pieces that emanated that feeling to other people, you know? It's also
1: interesting, I... I don't know if you did this consciously or not. As as a writer, I'm kind of like, oh, by the end, everybody has edited everything down with, you know, too, sometimes too much um, attention to making it go in a certain direction. But um, I see that, especially after talking about nature with you, it almost, it's interesting to see how certain shapes like the sphere and the diamond are are sort of familiar, familiar to us. But then those there are around the central um sphere there are these sort of triangular protrusions that to me look like blades of grass mm. in a way and they're not quite uh uniform um and and I just thought that was really interesting are these things that is this how nature comes through in your work or do you have a more specific and um, deliberate way of bringing nature to your work? Or is it just that you immerse yourself and the images that you see find their way in?
2: Yeah, I think like I said, um, you know, when I moved to New York about 10 years ago, and I was doing um, like very Buddhist inspired work, it was a bit more literal. It was I went outside, I saw that flower, I'm going to go draw it. I love the symbolism, of the lotus flower, now the lotus flowers in my drawing. And more and more, it's becoming more universal and to your point with the the channeling sometimes i don't know exactly where that shape came from but intuitively it's being added in there and i almost feel like i'm getting out of the way as it's being created in a lot of ways
0: Yeah, there's something very uh symmetrical about it even though and and the the central figure central uh sphere has a really good um symmetry to it and then you have kind of like a little bit off of the other orbs that are surrounding it—it it feels almost cosmic in a sense. It has a very cosmic feel to it, and the ray, the blaze of grass, seem like the the triangular, seem like rays coming out, protruding. Mm-hmm. You know, just to help the audience get a sense in very vibrant colors. And um, so it's interesting because, like, you know, different artists like have different interpretations of that energy. You know, I I think like very contrasting to like Apollo, kind of a you know like a very um, erratic kind of a spraying. But it's very ge- geometric and such, and it, falling, it seems to be following very much a certain pattern of the mandala. So, if you talk a little bit more about mandalas and uh, kind of how you understand them and how you kind of bring that, is that kind of the guiding principle, would you say? You, I think you said of this and, series, yeah.
1: And what they are. What they are, yeah.
0: <laughs> Sure.
1: Yeah. Just um, for anyone
2: yeah. you know, out there, I think in the beginning of the series, I was using them more literally. Yeah. Um, because I I find it very meditative as a practice to draw a mandala, which is essentially concentric circles. It's based on concentric circles, and then it's a symmetrical shape that gets drawn from the inside out. Um, so each layer doesn't have to look the same, but amongst each layer, it, it's the same sort of like petal type of mm. pattern. And it can be used as a meditation to both create one and to look at one afterwards. Mm. So the idea with this series was both um, the idea of like being very meditative in the process of creating it. And then when someone looks at it, being able to meditate on the piece itself and letting it speak to them, which I think back to your point of people wanting to dialogue about the art. I think they're meditating on it in Mm -hmm. some way because they're taking the time to really look at it and allow it to speak to them. And to me, that's what spirituality is about. It's how you interpret it. It's not for someone else to prescribe the meaning. So one of my favorite things is when someone looks at one of my paintings, because they are so abstract, they can say, oh, you know what I see in that? I see a tree growing out of an orb, or someone else might see blades of grass, or someone else might see. And so for me, the most you know gratifying part is not always... The creation, but the conversation that comes Mm -hmm. out of it at the end and how people are interpreting it, almost like a Rorschach test of, you know, through someone else's filter they see something else in there.
0: And also the interesting thing about, in my understanding of mandalas is that they're like a whole universe, like looking at it from the top down, looking at the the universe um, constructed in geometric form that uh, is complete in and of itself, you know, an overview of the universe, overview of the uh, internal microcosm of the universe um kind of looking at this kind of view of the world kind Mm -hmm. of thing and looking at through the lens of what's the internal landscape right yeah
2: yeah and i think that brings up a really good point is about you know i was thinking recently how a lot of people are saying oh it's time to like stop looking outside and go within and find your peace here and then it'll be reflected outside of you and I've actually come to think of it in a way that it's a reciprocal relationship in the sense that, yes, it's important to go within and check in with, you know, make sure you feel at peace and and you're you do you are the captain of your soul. Right. You are the one driving the ship. But at the same time, I think it's so important to have a beautiful environment and have things around you that do inspire joy and And have that effect on you and do prompt you to go within and think about, you know, meditate on the beauty of life. So I think it's a reciprocal. It's so interesting
1: that you said that because um, I taught a yoga class last night and uh, only one student showed up um, and I know her pretty well. And uh, we kind of took our time and and at the end I like to do a meditation and the meditation I gave her, she's done. I've done workshops that incorporate yoga with writing and journaling. Um, and she's taken them and liked them. So I did a brief meditation and then I gave her homework. Um, but the meditation itself that maybe we could all sort of try, it's not like, you know, big lengthy process. I just asked her to think of one, I guess, small, I I, I would say mundane, beautiful thing, but beauty is never mundane. So once Small thing that you see that just strikes you as a pure beauty, but not not any anything of value or not a piece of art. Do do you guys have those things? Do you would you be able to
2: tell us about any of those things? Yeah, I mean, what comes to mind for me is I've I've created like a, a meditation corner in mm-hmm. my apartment, and I've filled it with all sorts of little things like that. That maybe on their own may not be as striking, but as a whole, to me, feel really like you know little things that I've. Sort of curated, if you will, um, and you know, like crystals, and I have like my, one of my grandmother's necklaces and, and little things that remind me of that beauty on mm-hmm. some level. Do you, do you have one that you could share?
0: Um, well, I'm mean, I a similar kind of thing where I've collected different uh, things that have meaning for me over the course of my life that I put in a little a little shrine that I keep um, that I keep a cushion near that I kind of meditate on. I don't know whether they're that um, common, but they're like kind of artifacts for my life like i keep uh uh pictures images of buddha images of the buddhas and also i keep like the the um the three bells the three uh uh that you chime you know that that help me kind of remind myself of mindfulness and i kind of put my hand through it and kind of i forget what they're called now but they're like the the circular drums that have the bell inside of it um that you kind of turn to help you kind of keep mindful yeah Mm-hmm. So that, that's it's very um it's very good to keep connected and such and like keep connected and, and this kind of shrines and such help you do that. Mm-hmm. There's so, also
1: a lot of just random stuff. Like yeah. for me, after doing that little meditation, <sighs> I realized that I was focusing a lot on getting her to, you know, <laughs> talk, yeah. think about it because I was a teacher. She was the student. She was the experience. <laughs> but as I was walking home, I guess I was still in that mindset. And I live in Rockaway by the ocean and it was foggy everywhere last night but in rockaway it gets extra foggy Mm. so that you can only see about a block in front of you and a block behind you um and there are the sounds of the ocean but today the fog was or last night the fog was so dense and low as i was walking down the boardwalk that and just if you can picture this some of the big buildings have these weird christmas light things that are that just sort of project little dots it looks like a thousand um, cat laser teasers on on, on all the at sidewalk, sidewalk, yeah right? yeah mm. um, but the fog was so dense that it was um, refracting off the fog and kind of dappling the sky around me so I had like these little things these little dots of color all around my feet and then it was kind of you know refracting off the clouds a little bit and I felt like it was in this giant glittery snow globe and it made me very happy
0: yeah. Yeah, that's, that's all very, I can say about it. <laughs> snow globes are also a very underappreciated thing. You know, snow globes are very uh, great, especially now we're getting around the, the season, for these kinds of uh, festive snow globes and such. There's always, always great any time of year, but yeah, it's really great. I don't,
1: yeah. I don't know how I feel about snow globes, but I like yeah. the feeling of being in one. Yeah. <laughs> I, people have, I, I have actually a couple of snow globes that people have given me as gifts. I kind of don't know what to do with them. Right now, I rotate them out because I only have room for one on my desk at a time.
0: So, why don't we go into some of your um, the workshops you conduct and tell us a little bit about the format and the uh, the aspects of it for the listeners. Yeah. And what sure. inspired you to what start. What inspired that? you to start. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, um, like I said, I've attended uh, several workshops and I've been on a few retreats. And it's something that I felt very connected to. Um, in the sense that you're gathering with other women and you're being creative. Um, it's something outside of your usual routine. Um, and you're coming together for a very specific purpose of taking that time out of your schedule to create something, to listen to your intuition. There's a bit of ritual involved, um, not really you know, necessarily for one type of spiritual um, belief system, but being a bit more spiritual going within. And I always walked away feeling so... Um, connected in a way uh, is the best way to to put it both to my practice as an artist and to meeting other women artists and seeing what they were creating and I always love this sense of we're given the same materials the same idea and to see the different types of work that came out of it and everyone's personality is so different and so is their art but we all start with the same materials and I think that's such a good metaphor in general for things you know Um, so either way, I was really inspired, um, both as an artist and someone living in New York and wanting to create more community. And when I would go to other workshops, people would always feel so sort of like starved for experience like that. Like other people are looking to connect in that way and not, you know, that there's anything wrong with it, but something besides like going to the bar or going to a coffee shop, but really gathering with that intention. And so last year, I hosted my first workshop, which was called a goddess gathering because I was really into the goddess energy, especially at that time. And so I based that one on the goddess Juno and we all, um, there was about 10 of us and we went to a beautiful little tea shop and created a sense of ritual about it and everybody gathered and we sat around a round table. So that's the circle again, because we're all part, you know, it's not like I'm up here and you guys are sitting, Mm -hmm. you know, we're all part of this circle. And um, creating that sacred space of time and energy that we've all come together. And, you know, we did um, a bit of meditation in the beginning because everyone's rushing. We're all in New York. You're rushing to get there and get settled in. And so we took time to, like, put our feet on the ground, really ground into the moment, call in all the energies that we're working with and set the tone. And, um, and so for that workshop in particular, we created what I was calling a Mm Moondala. So it was based on the mandala, but it was for the new moon. And it was at the end of the year. And so we were setting our intentions for the new year. Um, Because that's something I actually do believe in is that um, our intention is such a big part of how we function in the world. And it is something that I try to do in the morning is like set my intention for the day, Um, And that really helps me set the tone. So I was teaching that that sense of um, intentional practice. And then, you know, it was like a pre-made mandala, but everyone was coloring it in in their own Mm. way to make it easy. And it was so fascinating to see. Once again, I gave everyone the same markers, but to see how they use them in their own way and the patterns that they came up with. And, you know, um, we also had um, I'm really into like tarot cards and Oracle cards and that sort of thing. And I love when people can give themselves reading, you know, a reading. It's not so much about me telling them what it means. And so each person picked a card and interpreted what they felt it meant for them and, and incorporated that into their Moondala. Um, and yeah, so it was a really beautiful um, practice. And um, so either way, I've been working on some ideas for new workshops with that in mind. And I'm actually hosting one next Sunday, which is really exciting. And this time it's a collaboration with my friend Lisa Curran. And um, she has an amazing experience with hosting creative workshops and art therapy and that sort of thing. And so she's bringing an amazing energy to the to the workshop, which I'm really excited about.
1: I'm um, sorry. Yeah. I just just uh, self-serving moment here. Sure. Uh, my phone isn't working to put it in, but can you tell me your Instagram handle again so I can write it down?
2: Yeah, sure. So it's Rochelle Fox Art. It's R-O-C-H-E-L-L-E-F-O-X Art okay great yeah. do you Excellent. post stuff
1: about your workshops and in what you're doing on on instagram
2: yeah that's actually the best way to find out because that's where the most current information will be and i'll have the link up there later today for um the information i'll have everything posted but it'll be this sunday it's actually going to be hosted at my apartment in the upper east side um it's for women and this one um it's, we're calling it a shadow box shrine mm. art workshop
1: when is it it's what this, time oh it's yeah. this sunday
2: from one to four okay cool Yeah. So shadow box. What what do you mean by that? So we are actually using um, we're all into recycling and using materials that we have around us. And so we're using cigar boxes and we're creating an intentional shrine or altar, you know, not to ascribe it too much meaning. Um, But we are creating something for the new year, the heart centered shadow box that will remind you of your intention and also, you know, honoring our journey of where we've been. Um, I feel like as women, we're always moving forward and going on to the next thing. And I think it's really important, at this, especially at the end of a year, when oftentimes we're thinking about what's the goal for the next year, to really take that time and check in and see how far you've come from last year and check in with yourself and, and honor that. You know, I think we're so quick to move forward.
1: I love the idea of um, taking the kind of meditative introspective uh, purpose of something like this and making it about creating something that you can actually touch and see. Um, I spend so much time randomly analyzing my own life in my head that sometimes meditation, especially if it's kind of about something that wouldn't normally resonate with me, like I said, I sometimes I feel... Isolated when people talk about spiritual things because I don't have a real spiritual tradition, but I love the idea of engaging everybody with making something because first of all, it sounds fun, but it also sounds like something that would be really inclusive and allow a concrete understanding of this um, more meditative experience. So that sounds great. Maybe yeah. I'll see you Sunday.
2: Yeah, It would be great. <laughs> I did want to say it's it's not just for artists. And in fact, I think it's almost better if you don't come with all of that prescribed. I know how to do right, it. Right, <laughs> You know. Yeah. So it's open. It's open for anyone.
0: Yeah, good, good. And, I'm really uh, good at stick figures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My specialty. Good, good. So um, just to, as you start to wrap up, um, why don't we talk a little bit more about uh, just like other, your series, your work series, and... Kind of what you're producing now, and and what anything more you want to say about um, how you uh, uh, how you title the works? I noticed on your on your website you had very interesting titles each piece, and kind of how you draw the energy from each. Uh, you know, if we, I may, I pull up uh, some of those titles that you title each work. You, know, mm-hmm. you have a separate. Um, if we talk a little bit about that, I'll pull it up in one second. Yeah, sure. Yeah,
1: yeah one of the things that uh, my fantastic. Um, poetry teacher one of my fantastic poetry teachers in undergrad told me was he told us all you're not allowed to turn in something that says untitled
0: yeah there's <laughs> always something like... yeah
2: i know i often <laughs> feel disappointed to be perfectly honest if i if i go to a museum let's say and i want to connect further with a piece untitled, untitled.
0: Yeah. yeah i liked the uh, floating gardens um sanctuary awakened dreams Clarity and chaos; these are all kind of your themes that you kind of bring into your work, right? And and if you talk a little bit about kind of how you're able to, a little bit more about because uh, we started on that, but if you talk a
3: little more. Sure, about that,
2: yeah. yeah, those are the names of the series um, that I've done over about the last ten years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, um, awakened dreams. I have been really fascinated with this idea of consciousness yeah. the last couple of years, and how awake are we really if we're all being run by these programs? And in the sense that, you know, we're all um, telling ourselves this narrative of what our life is. And so we go about our life thinking of our identity a certain way. And, you know, you'll often hear of people that have like a near death experience, let's say, and all of a sudden they wake up the next day and say, no, 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 I don't want this reality anymore. What I really want is to go be a, you know, a chef in the middle of France and, and they go do that. And they were sort of like sleepwalking through life up mm-hmm. until that point. Um, And so I'm fascinated by this concept of like, how can we do that without needing that near death experience? Yeah, we don't do not not, not try this at home. (laughs) Yeah. So how do we sort of But the dream yourself awake concept is like listening to the dream, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm fascinated by dream analysis. I mean, I could really talk about that for a whole other podcast. Um, But this concept that there is this inner narrative that's getting your attention and that's telling you, you know, what your next step is. I'm fascinated by that.
0: Good, yeah, good. Thanks yeah. so much. And uh, this is a great episode on Ready for Brooklyn. Ready for Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Just to help support our mission, we invite you to make a one time donation, a monthly pledge at slash donate. Every cent helps us continue to stay on air. So please. Support the independent community re- media and community community building that we're doing here by pledging wherever you can afford. All contributions are tax deductible to the full extent to the law. Also, as we start to hit the holiday season, Ready for Brooklyn is having a holiday party on Thursday, December 13th, 7 to 10 p.m. at the Braven Brewing Company in Bushwick. So, if you're interested in attending, RSVP to slash holiday2018. To get two free beer tickets and at the party plus access to the exclusive VIP area. We'd like to thank uh it, it's and... the
1: truth to beer show. The truth
0: to beer show, yeah. <laughs> We'd right. like to thank uh Braven Brewing Company supporting Ray for Brooklyn this holiday season. Uh visit the Braven Brewing Bar and Kitchen at Bushwick in Bushwick at fifty two Harrison Place or online at Bravenbrewing.com.
1: I just want to say um one thing because I'm very excited about this. Yeah. Um uh VJ it, my co-host is um is taking submissions for his new quarterly literary journal online called body hive yeah and um it's too awesome for me to scrunch a description of it into the two minutes we have (laughs) left but you should definitely visit um vjr nathan on facebook right
0: yeah vjr nathan poet Mm -hmm. on facebook or uh vjrnathan.com and uh body hive is body com. Mm. so b-o-d-h-i h-i-v-e so like a enlightened high body being enlightenment and hive the hive mind and so, bees and stuff yeah, yeah and bees <laughs> and yeah, I, actually the symbol the symbol for it is now like a bee with some flowers around it mm-hmm. so i hope you will check that out um any other last uh, thoughts Rochelle?
2: um thank you so much for having me this was very enlightening and wonderful <laughs> so great way it's the earliest i've been up in a while so yeah. great way to start the day thank you guys so much and uh yeah. Once again, I'm on Instagram. If you guys want to check it out, it's Rochelle Fox Art,
1: and you can find out more information about uh, my writers' workshop series and free events with literature and generating literary community at um, Rockaway Writers org, or follow me on social at Rockaway Writers.
0: Yeah, good. So taking us out is going to be a uh, uh, song "Dear Lion" from a new album that's just come out from Speakeasy, uh, and that's Speak and Then easy with e with the line over you can find them on social media and it's called dear lion um and we'll listen to that as we go out have a lovely day have a lovely day thank you thank guys you. thank you